Welcome to Bring Your Brilliance. Are you ready to find and amplify your voice? Looking to be inspired by those who are already out there making it happen? Listen in as we shine a light on those who bring their full, authentic selves to do what they love, make no apologies, and don't try to fit into other people's boxes. With your host, Carla Taylor, who, after years of being inspired by the brilliantly shining people she was meeting, decided others need to hear these stories too. Good morning and welcome, welcome everyone to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show. I am your host. Carla Taylor, and I am so excited to bring you this amazing person that I have been absolutely, um, she's been absolutely shining and I have been admiring and so excited to have gotten to know and to bring to you. She is none other than Judy Fox, who does LinkedIn Like a Fox. And she is someone who has been just exploding on LinkedIn. I've been watching her actually for over a year, maybe even longer, and um, was so thrilled to have been able to attend a a conference. And you may have heard me talk about this conference actually a little bit before uh, called Social Media Week Lima, which I didn't even know about. And I was actually uh, meeting someone else that I knew online and saw that Judy was there, and I was like, okay, I have to go to this conference if Judy's there, <laughs> and thought maybe I'd be lucky enough to speak to her, and instead it's turned into this amazing connection. So, Judy, thank you so much for being here. <laughs> thank you so much for having me, and what an amazing introduction. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're just such a bright light and so much fun, and I love your little fox. <laughs> Yes, I have a lot of foxes in my house. (laughs) (laughs) I bet. So, Judy, thank you so much for coming to our show. And I want you to just kind of dive right in and tell us a little bit about, um, first of all, how did you, what what did you do before? And then how did you get started being a pretty big deal content creator on LinkedIn? Well, (laughs) It all starts going all the way back. So I think we're just a compilation of all the things that we've ever done, ever achieved, all the things we've been through that makes us a whole complete human being that um, ends up getting anywhere they go, right? Like all the ups, all the downs. So I started off with a degree in chemical engineering in 1999. And I say that because the internet didn't, really it existed but it I didn't know you could ever do anything with the internet back then so all I knew was you go to work you find a corporate office or you find some type of company to work for and I was following kind of in my father's amazing footsteps uh where it was you work for a company and then you retire and that's it like that's just what you do mm-hmm. <laughs> That is exactly what I did, too. That's amazing. My dad was the same way. He had the same kind of job. I was following his footsteps. I even went to work for the same company. So I completely understand that. Yeah. And early on, I was very, very happy in working for the corporation I was working for. It was very uh, high integrity and good values and felt like a good company. I interacted with some amazing people, had great mentors along the way. Ended up getting my master's in MBA, which was like a master's in sustainability and environmental management. (laughs) 
And because I became wow. so focused on like, let's see what kind of a difference I can make on this planet. And I thought that was a great path to go down. I'd always loved the environment and wanted to head in that direction. I loved it for a very long time. And then the economic crisis hit. <laughs> and that was mm-hmm. 2008, 2009. And it was right when there was personal things happening in my life that changed. And, you know, all of a sudden I was married. I had, you know, another person in my life to consider where we were going to live, what we were going to do. Um, and because the economic crisis and I was working in the construction industry as an environmental manager, um, they had let go and decreased a lot of their jobs, like really, really thin. <laughs> so I mm-hmm. took a leave of absence instead of waiting to be laid off. That sounds really funny, but I decided that's how it was back then for sure too yeah because that way I also could come back so six months was a leave of absence back then in the company I worked for and that way if something had recovered or they realized oh wait we need this or we only need her part-time it was going to give me more options than just getting laid off so wow I took that yeah it was a really it was a good move because I packed up everything in storage and just traveled around, literally around the world. So I went to um, Germany for about three months, and then I went to New Zealand for a month. I went to the Kingdom of Tonga. I was just traveling around during this time. Wow. And everything was in storage, rented out my townhouse. And I'm giving you all this background because when I got back, the main focus I had was networking and how to get another job because by the time I got back the company still hadn't recovered the economy took a longer time to recover (laughs) and I had to find a job in this economic climate and my number one place was to go to LinkedIn because that was Mm -hmm. where I could connect with everyone I could network and it was mostly through direct messages and finding their emails on LinkedIn sending a connection request it was one by one by one. And then within about, so I traveled for a year and I got back and I was able to find a job pretty quickly because I was doing that type of activity and I wasn't applying for jobs online. I wasn't even waiting to see if there would be a job online. I was getting in with the people before they even wanted to post a job online <laughs> because back then wow. it was very cutthroat. So. Yeah, yeah, that's dramatic, so smart. No, yeah, it was. So it was crazy. There would be thousands of people applying for one job, and yeah, it was crazy. So what ended up happening is I turned around and offered my network as a side hustle, and I didn't even know there was such a thing as a side hustle. I just said to my network, <laughs> oh, I can help you from a place of, I'm helping you from I'm a couple steps ahead of you and I can turn around and offer like real world. I was just in the trenches doing it. I was just on unemployment. I was just searching and networking for jobs. I have all of my messages that I sent out and I can show you. I can level up your LinkedIn profile. I can level up your resume. I can help you with job search coaching because I had gotten a higher job offer. And in this climate, I still negotiated for a higher starting salary. Like I was studying and reading every book I could get about LinkedIn, about resumes and about networking and about just everything. Like I was just 
that was my full-time job. So by the time I then got a job, I made that into what we now call a side hustle, but I didn't know that's what it was called. <laughs> yeah. So that's why I started this activity on LinkedIn, and it all started back in 2009. <laughs> so, well, and I think that, I don't know, did that that's help? such a great <laughs> – it does, and it, it's such a great point because um, so many times things are born out of necessity – and you're yeah. figuring it out for yourself, and then you're just figuring out how to help others. And especially, I think, actually, this I even talked about this back during that time about how it, everybody saw that, that recession as a terrible thing and as, a, as a, an awful time, but it's actually the time when you now have no other option, so you're forced to do something and you're forced to be all in, and that's when some of the best ideas happen and the best things are mm-hmm. birthed out of those times. And so I think... You're just giving us yet another example of it. And then the other part of your story that I, I and, and what I really love about you is that you are so genuinely authentic coming from a place of this huge desire to help other people and just wanting to, to share knowledge and, and you're just so open to, you know, especially back then even, like a lot of people would have been like, ooh, I'm not going to help the competition. I got to make sure I have my way, you know, and and I've mm-hmm. never known you to, to be that way. You're just such a, a giving, wonderful person, and that, that shines through everything that you say and do. Even before I talked to you directly, I could tell that about you um, from the way you approach things. So that's one of the things I actually admire most about you is that you really do, genuinely are that nice. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> that is so sweet. And then I, I the story does – it's crazy how, like, that was just 2010, and then so much has happened even since then. But the main mm-hmm. thing that happened was I ended up going out into this corporate world and realizing it wasn't the same place I remembered. Or mm-hmm. I had built up a certain expectation based on my the first company I worked for. And maybe because the economy changed, things were things were uh, different, it felt like, out there. Like... A lot more people under a lot more pressure, it felt like. A lot more people doing more work for less less staff to do all the work that still had to get done. Or it was just intense. But I felt like when I went back out into the job market, I was like, wow. (laughs) And it was fine, but I noticed. Oh, go on. I was going to say, I think it was a combination of factors of the fact that everybody was stressed because the economy was so bad. Probably a lot of people had very little money or even had lost money for months looking for work or whatever else there was. And so when you have these money pressures too, that just makes everything feel so much harder. And then like you said, companies were demanding people to do so much more for so much less. And it was this incredibly high pressure time. Plus you probably also came from a place where you'd gone out into the world and and had all this goodness and wonderful things that you experienced and then coming back into this super stressed, high pressure place, even from that perspective, probably made it even feel that much worse to you too, I would imagine. Yeah. And I think knowing that I wasn't acting like I needed a job, uh, I mm-hmm. think it's because I just did a year abroad and was traveling and was living in such a way that I didn't feel like I wanted a job. I didn't like need it to, it wasn't the end all be all because I still had other things that were bringing in money and I had learned the art of these side hustles. So 
I think it was very fascinating to have that perspective when a lot of people didn't have that energy or perspective back then. And that was yeah. a very, like, just a different mindset. It really came down to mindset. And people talk about that a lot, but it really, really matters when you look at the difference of why did I get a job or why does somebody show up a certain way? Um, it makes a huge difference. And then the only other thing that happened in my story and my journey was I think because of that, when I had a child in 2012, I was really confident to go step out then and start my own environmental consulting firm. So that's what I did, and that's how I did business development and networking through LinkedIn. And that, again, goes back to how did I secure, how did I get in front of different contracts, different companies? It was all because of LinkedIn. So wow. having these... so background to why I now create content on LinkedIn and know how to get the opportunities that turn into actual financial discussions is because of doing it from all these years. <laughs> yeah. So, Well, let's talk about that. We're gonna getting ready to go to our first break, but when we come back from break, I want to hear a little bit more about the mindset that you mentioned, but then also what, what you talked about, how you transitioned. So right now, yeah. you are listening to the Inspired Choices Network with me. I'm Carla Taylor, um, the Bring Your Brilliance radio show. We're here with Judy Fox. And when we return, we will continue to discuss mindset and LinkedIn and how it was a huge part of your journey. And we will be right back. We all have a personal brand. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. What if you knew how to clearly and confidently communicate your value in a compelling way? Tune in to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor to discover the tools, resources, and inspiration you need to get started and keep growing. Are you ready to make your mark? Learn how to bring your brilliance by listening to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Mountain, and 7 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Are you a subject matter expert? Are you here to share your expertise with an audience waiting to hear from you in only the way you can deliver? Are you ready to have your voice amplified across the airwaves? Inspired Choices Network has a global radio platform streaming to millions of people across the world. Professionally produced and supported by an accomplished team every step of the way, you can broadcast from anywhere in the world knowing your voice matters and we ensure it is delivered with ease and efficiency. Eager to hear your message, the world awaits. Contact us today to become an Inspired Choices Network radio host. Email becomeahost at inspiredchoicesnetwork.com. This is the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor. To join today's conversation, call in the U.S. at 815-880-8255 or Canada at 613-800-8736 or Skype at Inspired Choices Network. Or ask a question or send a comment by email at bringyourbrilliance at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I am Carla Taylor on Bring Your Brilliance, and our show topic today is LinkedIn Like a Fox. We are here with Judy Fox, and just before break, we were talking about 
um, how Judy went through her initial part of her career and, and through the recession and how all of that affected things and taught her things. And Judy, you were just mentioning how mindset for you made such a big difference and then also how you shifted from your corporate work into um, owning your own company and what all of your side hustle and everything else had taught you to be well prepared for that. So let's let's start with mindset and then get into the rest. Yeah. <laughs> Mindset's a huge topic. So it is. That's you, true. Yeah, with mindset, I think the main thing is just realizing and being honest with where your head space is at because it's a lot of, you know, people saying, Oh, you've got to get your mindset right, you've got to do this. Well, you just first have to figure out where your mind's even at and and not judge it and say, It's okay where you're at right now. And I feel like mm. I grew up being really hard on myself, mainly because I've got this achievement bone inside of me. And I've had mm-hmm. to learn to, like, honor that achievement and say at the same time that I want to achieve more without that beating myself up mindset. Does that make sense? Like. Mm. It does. I don't know. It's it's like having a high intention that the outcome is going to be amazing, but not holding on so tightly to every expectation of how it's going to go. Mm, that's huge. Yes, expectations are often what um, you want to have intention of what you want, but not an expectation of how it has to go, I think. Yeah, and I think that's a huge thing for anyone who goes out to do their own business or, you know, honestly, even if you're in the corporate space, you don't really have any control over everything that happens to the economy and everything that happens to the company and all the decisions, unless you're like the CEO, (laughs) maybe you don't have control. Even the CEO doesn't always have control because there's a board of directors and there's a lot of other stakeholders that all impact every piece of the puzzle so yeah having the knowledge without oh go on (laughs) no no it's fine I was just going to say I think one of the things that I'd heard back during the recession and and I've continued to teach people about is that um, if we're going to blame the economy for all our troubles then we also must give the economy the credit when we have things go well and everybody wants to take the credit when things go well in their lives, but when things aren't going well, then they want to blame all these external factors. But the point, like you just said, is it's not about all those external factors. It's about how you're showing up and how you're interacting and reacting to the things around you versus that this one big thing happening in the world is is to blame for everything, and it's not. And people like you found opportunities within any kind of circumstance. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you can always kind of look at all the, I mean, there's so many people who are saying, oh, I did this, oh, I did that, and that's what goes down to mindset, which is maybe stay in your lane and try to find one or two voices ahead of you to model yourself after, and this is why a lot, I think a lot of people are reaching overwhelm with how many opportunities it feels like there are now. Because so many people did find mm. opportunities, and now I feel like so many people are shouting from the rooftops, 
do it my way. Like I did this and I built this email list and then I did this and then I did that. And if you follow those exact same steps, you will become a multimillionaire. And what's funny is sometimes I look at that and I say, well, that sometimes you have to pay attention to, does that fit my personality? Is that my path? There's a million ways to be an entrepreneur. And I feel like so many people scream it now a little bit more that where they're like, you have to do it these 10 easy steps. And I'm like, it can be that easy, but it also can be maybe finding the right person to coach you through that who is, like I said, it made so much sense when I was looking at it from being ahead of somebody and coaching from that mm-hmm. place versus trying to coach from, I have this like perfect, everything's perfect and I know it's perfect and it'll work for you. I've heard a lot of stories where that doesn't always work for the people who buy into those programs and then the person just checks out and doesn't actually coach them. Does that make sense? Where they Mm -hmm. like just show up online and they're like, okay, if you just do X, Y, Z, like nobody's cookie cutter, if that makes sense. Right. We're all different and we approach things differently. And I think you're right about, and the other thing too, on the flip side of that, a lot of people think they do have to know all the answers and be perfect before they can reach out or help someone else. But like you said, just being a couple steps ahead and being able to reach back and help people take people on the journey and being open to what maybe they need to go different places or they have different things, but they're just there to learn from you. But we all know how to get from from one place to another and things that have worked. Um, and when you're coming from mm-hmm. that place versus, listen to me, I have all the answers and you have to do it my way. Like, I think actually it's much better to be coached by someone who is exploring the journey just ahead of you. <laughs> and and then you might even find some things that they didn't and can, can share back and forth that way too. Yeah. Well, and I think um, the best coaching that I've had is not necessarily static coaching. It's one that evolves just like we all know, social media continues to evolve and what mm-hmm. maybe worked even six months ago may not work anymore. So to have some such that a great point living on and business principles, especially because I love the business principles that I learned from like Peter Drucker, like going all the way back. What is he like writing business mm-hmm. principles and management principles back in like 1950 or something. And I love mm-hmm. that those still stay true today. So that's why I think having your grounding and your mindset in those founding principles, and then you layer on all the details that actually get things done in today's world with the technology. But I I just really feel like the business founding principles don't change. And that's really important. I think the mindset part. Yeah. Well, and and your point about things changing so much, and even six months ago it was true, isn't. And I've seen so many people, and especially with LinkedIn, who have all this content about LinkedIn that they maybe put together six months, a year, two years, sometimes three or or more years ago, and they haven't been paying any attention to how much the platform has been changing, and they're calling themselves these LinkedIn experts. But you've got to stay up on your tool. and, and, And with technology, there's so many changes you, you've you got to be the person paying attention to those if you're teaching other people about how to use it. Yeah, definitely. Well, I think it's funny because I have a blog post that I 
was able to scroll back and find, and it's from 2013 about how to connect on LinkedIn. And it was like a Pinterestable, pinnable type of image that was very vertical that you could kind of flow through the steps. Like step one, this is what you do to find your connection on LinkedIn. And what's cool is you can see the old screenshots of what the LinkedIn platform used to look like. And that's going back mm -hmm. to the same concept that I could still tell somebody this is how you connect on LinkedIn and follow, like those are still applicable today. It's just the platform looks different. So there is some element of keeping up with it, but also, like I said, I'm connecting on LinkedIn from a place of it really takes one connection at a time. And people get all like worked up in the numbers of how did you get so big or how do you do this or how do you do that? And I'm like, I grew from probably zero to just a couple thousand by really, truly, one by one, picking out each person and saying, hey, I'd love to connect. Hey, I'd love to connect. This is great. I would really, your profile said this, and this is what I liked about you. And taking that time and yeah. energy took, that took a lot of time between 2009 to, I don't know, probably like 2018, actually. <laughs> mm-hmm. So. So, and, and I think that's such a great point, too, that, that people even try to use. I think there's, you know, automated ways to connect with a bunch of people, and that's so not the point. <laughs> the whole point is to make direct connections with people that you care about having in your network and not just this blanket approach to, I just want numbers. That's not what, what's meaningful whatsoever. Exactly, because a, a real connection that, like me and you have made, is so much more um, like real and it can actually get both of us more real actual opportunities versus a bunch of cold connections that you don't really know. They know you sent a generic message and it was very distant and they're connected to you, but there's no relationship. There's no relationship to shout you out. There's no relationship to have you on their show. There's no relationship to meet up at the next conference and say, what are you doing next? It's relationship building and relationships is literally what will have your company and have you survive through any economic up and down. Right, right. And we actually, the conference we met at was all about relationship marketing. And again, emphasis on relationship, less so even in the marketing because it's people want to do business with people they like. And people will engage mm -hmm. in conversations with people that they want to keep talking to instead of trying to be this this facade or this, this I don't know, <laughs> where, where some people just are like, I got to get out there and show people all these numbers I have. And there's almost more ego-driven than anything else than actually genuinely wanting to connect and have really cool people they can collaborate with and connect with and learn from in their networks. And again, that's something that, that I've seen from afar at first and now really experienced as, as one of your connections. <laughs> Yay. <laughs> um, so you oh. currently have, you do have over 23,000 connections and you've yeah. had at least one or more posts that has had millions of views. So I do want to get into how did you get from what we were talking about before with the, the slower building one-on-one -on -one and kind of how things have really, like you said, since uh, in, at least in the last year, exploded for you. Um, so we are getting ready to yeah. take our second break. 
So let's start there All right. and, um, and hear that part of your story when we get back. You are listening to Bring Your Brilliance on the Inspired Choices Network with me, Carla Taylor. I'm here talking with Judy Fox, and we will be right back. We all have a personal brand. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. What if you knew how to clearly and confidently communicate your value in a compelling way? Tune in to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor to discover the tools, resources, and inspiration you need to get started and keep growing. Are you ready to make your mark? Learn how to bring your brilliance by listening to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Mountain, and 7 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor. To join today's conversation, call in the U.S. at 815-880-8255 or Canada at 613-800-8736 or Skype at Inspired Choices Network. Or ask a question or send a comment by email at bringyourbrilliance at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back. I'm Carla Taylor. This is the Bring Your Brilliance radio show here on Inspired Choices Network. Today's topic is LinkedIn like a fox. We're here with Judy Fox. And Judy, let's jump right in. (laughs) Yeah, so when we were last talking, it was uh, the part about, you know, the LinkedIn platform has exploded recently with content creators because they added video. (laughs) The ability to literally (laughs) upload and film a video and put it on LinkedIn has gotten and increased how many people are creating pieces of content for the platform. Mm -hmm. And that talk to me more about that. Yeah, so in 2017, LinkedIn had I think exactly September 2017, they had allowed the platform to film and upload native video to the platform. So that means you're not linking to an external video on YouTube or an external video on your website or somewhere else. It was literally going to live on the platform and be uploaded natively. And I think I got access early 2018, so I started creating video in March of 2018. And the reason why this was a game changer is because the platform was always taking you off platform to go watch a YouTube video or something else. And that wasn't really ideal if you think about it from a business concept of LinkedIn thinking, okay, well, now we're just sending somebody over to YouTube and we potentially are losing them for the rest of the day. You know, like they were over right. here on LinkedIn and now they're going to go spend an hour on YouTube because they went down a rabbit hole there. And they're more, right. it's just a mental concept, but it's true. If you end up going over to another platform, you might not come back. And the having the native video was obviously important for LinkedIn to highlight So getting on early is always a good idea for any new kind of platform adopting anything, but there's potential ups and downs with it. For example, then they added LinkedIn Live video, which has now gone out to a lot more beta testers. 
But there's, you know, with being an early adopter of any part of any platform, there's glitches and there's positives and there are negatives. But I didn't see the negatives. I just saw the positives. This was such an incredible way to be connected to every single person I'd already connected with and created relationships. And I tell people all the time, if you can figure out a way to be on video and make it feel like you're talking to one or two people across the screen to you, you'll reach thousands. And the reason why Mm -hmm. I felt so comfortable on video was because in, and I didn't know this would happen, but between 2014 and 2018, I talk about the fact that I went through a really tough period of time in my life. And I wasn't creating any content anywhere online. I wasn't posting even personal things. I wasn't posting on Facebook. I wasn't posting on on anywhere. The only platforms I kept going were LinkedIn during that whole four-year period. I kept LinkedIn going because it was my business. It was me running an environmental consulting firm. And then the other company or the other part of the world online that I kept going was Pinterest because it just was a fun place to go pin things. <laughs> and that's it. Those are <laughs> the two platforms I kept going. And the other thing I did during that time was I filmed video every day for those four years. And I didn't understand oh, wow. even myself. I was accidentally getting myself so comfortable on video that it was just natural when I first filmed the video on LinkedIn. I was nervous and I definitely wasn't sure like I had that same hesitation that a lot of people have. What am I going to share on LinkedIn video? But I went out on the platform. I checked out what other people were sharing. And I I felt like, oh, you just share a moment in time, one thought, one topic, one level up moment with your audience. It's almost like if you had access to the VP or CEO of your company for one minute, and you wanted to share one thought leadership piece with them, whatever it was, what would you share in that one minute? So that's mm. how I felt about LinkedIn video. So got started and haven't looked back. And yes, I had a lot of viral content that went to hundreds of thousands of people. And I think one post that went to half a million. I don't think I had any that actually reached one million. So, but individually when you add them all up, it's been, I think, a journey now uh, since March of 2018. I think I've hit about four. I'm in that four to five million views on my content. Wow. So do yeah. you have, and I, and I love your point about um, <clears throat> the fact that it's one small point in a short little video instead of people think they have to have like a big long thing to say or, or talk about several things. Um, to, I, and I, I think that's true with any form of communication, and I do a lot of training, and you, you've got one point at a time that you're making. And so I think that's mm-hmm. actually something that's a little bit of a relief for people who don't understand that, that, oh, I only have to make one small point about whatever that topic is. And and then, uh, so first of all, back up for a moment. Why were you doing videos every day for four years? What was the purpose of that? Or was that part of your business? Where did that part come from? No. So that part came, was born out of actual, like a real painful part of my life. And it came out of the fact that I was going through something tough. And a lot, I used to journal a ton. And I was having a really uh-huh. hard time journaling during this time because there was a part of me that just was looking at what I was journaling. And I was like, this isn't 
I'm not, I'm having trouble finding like the joy and the gratitude and all that stuff that people say. I was like, okay, I uh-huh. need to stop journaling for a while. And I went online and I saw there was an app called the One Second app where you can document your life one second at a time <laughs> by video. And of course, I filmed longer huh. than one second. It was just an app to remind you to film. But at the end of the year, it would compile. And I thought to myself, it's going to compile a video of an entire year of me and my son. It's, you know, we're, um, I'm a single mom. And it's going to combine our and document our lives. And from a place of being a mother and saying, would that be so cool to have these videos to look back on? I started doing it. And that's why I filmed video every single day for four years. And I still film video all the time, but now I don't even need, I mean, I I changed phones and I don't think I downloaded the app again. They're going to kill me, but I don't know them at all. (laughs) I don't know the app at all. I just know that I'm happy to shout it out because it's an app that actually reminded me to smile every single day and find a joyful moment to document. And that was really, really powerful shift in my brain to have that app do that for me. And that's why I tell people, and that's why one of the business coaches that I had, one of the deepest things she ever told me is what you focus on expands. Even if you accidentally Mm -hmm. focus on it, it will expand in your life. So I focused on video for four years. So that way, by the time I was filming video, I was still nervous to film a video for LinkedIn, but I was definitely ahead of the curve when it came to how natural it felt to be on video, if that comes together for you. That's great. No, no, no. I love that. And I, and I, yeah, what you focus on expands and then practice, practice, practice. And, you know, I've heard a lot of writers saying people who write a lot of books, John Maxwell, you know, I don't even know how many books he's up to. And he talks about he writes every single day and it's a discipline and the same thing with video. I love that idea, too. Like you said, of this, even in the darkest times, even when you're going through the hardest times, you can find one smile, even if it's one second in a whole day. There, there, even if you're forcing yourself, you don't feel like it. And, and that's actually, I think, a way to help even get through those hard times is to um, at least take a moment <laughs> to smile even if you don't even have words, I think, sometimes, you know, and I think that is a really wonderful coping tool for for that time in people's lives. But then the, the practice of the daily discipline, that's huge. And that gets you so much, yeah. like you said, more comfortable because now I know when I, and I'm still getting more comfortable. When, when I first started doing my first videos, I was so freaked out, <laughs> so uncomfortable. And it's, it's it's scary to to put yourself on video, especially yeah. when you're putting it out into the world. And in fact, a friend of mine here locally, she has a business where she helps people. She does it on Facebook, but she gets she's Facebook Live, and she's actually uh, she calls herself a social media anchor on Facebook. And one of her things is just to help people who've never done it. And and now she's actually interviewed celebrities and all sorts of things. But she started out just helping people who'd never done it get comfortable being on Facebook Live for the first time. So that's where I first went on live video was with her, with Nikki's network. Um, but it is like I was terrified <laughs> when I did that first one. And it is. And everybody starts there. And this is something I talk to my daughter yeah. a lot about because she wants to do a lot of wonderful things in the world. But she's like, I'm intimidated. I'm not confident yet. And I've told her, 
everybody starts at suck. We all suck at the beginning, but you've got to start where you are and build from there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and <laughs> so. I think the other thing, the other piece of advice I had was after doing that, I didn't intend to then turn into somebody that was going to create video that was that video has never seen the light of day. Like nobody's ever seen any of those videos. And the, the point is, is we filmed it as if no one would ever watch it. It wasn't filmed from a mm. place of, of, hey, look at me. And I think that's why, I don't know if that is why, but I know that when I get on camera, I do have a little bit more of a energy that I don't have to have, to, like, Somebody could never watch any of my videos, and they would, I would still be okay because I filmed for four years and nobody's ever watched them. So it just comes mm-hmm. from that. I think I drilled that into my brain so hard that I don't think I can separate maybe video anymore, that it's just a tool that helps us connect with each other. And that's why I can get on FaceTime or Skype when my son is traveling and he's away from home. We've been communicating over FaceTime and Skype since he was two and a half or so years old. (laughs) So it's very fascinating to me just how much video means more to me and being on camera means more to me from a personal standpoint of connection and how much Mm -hmm. you can use it to really, really connect with people. That's so great. And so clearly you are really <laughs> resonating with people and connecting. And you mentioned that you did have some that, that kind of went went wider and bigger than others and, and more viral. And I don't know if you've you found, okay, this is what people are seeming to really connect with or this, is there some sort of a magic formula behind it or have you seen any pattern into ones that go bigger versus the ones that don't? Uh, the patterns I see around the ones that go bigger are there are certain topics on LinkedIn that if you hit those topics and you hit them in a way that resonates with people, the platform will just take it to the next degree. They will share it. They will shout it out. So whenever you can share a personal story, I, I know that there's a huge part of the platform that is still looking for jobs, looking for opportunities maybe unhappy in their current job. So those topics around job search or your job history, anything in that realm does really well. So I know that I saw somebody's post go very viral. She was very new at posting on LinkedIn. And she said, I, I've i never told anyone about why I quit my last job. And then I'm going to tell you now. And that really resonated with people because she wasn't just sharing her story from, I'm going to tell you about why I quit my job and I'm going to vent. It was more of a hero's journey of, I'm looking back now from two years ago, I quit this job, never told anybody, but it was, I was working for a bully. And then it just, I think mm. it just gave everyone goosebumps because we can kind of all relate to ever being in any situation, even if we had never been in her exact shoes, we can at least relate to somebody yelling at us in a meeting or being maybe embarrassed by something we made a mistake and that person that was supposed to be a manager above us treating us and causing shame in the workplace and embarrassing us a little bit. And I think that person experienced it at the highest, you know, one of the higher levels and to share her story was very vulnerable. 
And I feel like that those can go very viral. The one that I went viral on was talking about, I was basically just saying, I have one, it was coming from a place of passion because I had seen the comments, especially for new people getting on the platform. I was saying to myself, how do these people not understand that some of their comments are inappropriate? There's normally very, very good comments on LinkedIn, but, oh, we're going to break soon. <laughs> yes, we are. So let's stop there, and then you can tell us more about that post that, that oh. went so big for you when we get back from break. So this is Carla Taylor. You're listening to Bring Your Brilliance, radio show on the Inspired Choices Network, talking with Judy Fox, and we'll be right back. We all have a personal brand. It's what people say about you when you're not in the room. What if you knew how to clearly and confidently communicate your value in a compelling way? Tune in to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor to discover the tools, resources, and inspiration you need to get started and keep growing. Are you ready to make your mark? Learn how to bring your brilliance by listening to the Bring Your Brilliance radio show every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Mountain, and 7 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. This is the Bring Your Brilliance radio show with personal branding and LinkedIn strategist Carla Taylor. To join today's conversation, call in the U.S. at 815-880-8255 or Canada at 613-800-8736 or Skype at Inspired Choices Network. Or ask a question or send a comment by email at bringyourbrilliance at gmail.com. Now, back to the program. Welcome back, everyone. I am Carla Taylor. I am the host of the Bring Your Brilliance radio show. And I also have a company called Bring Your Brilliance, where I help people figure out what their brilliance is and how to talk about it in a confident and compelling way. I actually do social media ghostwriting for people who don't have time and have great things to share and want to create content, but they just don't have the time to do it themselves. And so I do a lot of uh, article and post writing for thought leaders. We meet weekly to do kind of a brain dump. And then I make it sound all really awesome and cool. So uh, I've got a couple spots open for that, and I'm excited to be working with some really amazing people. And Judy is here. So, Judy, tell us a little bit about what you're doing and how you help people, and then we're going to jump right back to where we were in your story. No, we were on a cliffhanger. <laughs> um, I know. <laughs> so what I do is uh, I work with people on – I call it LinkedIn like a fox, but I've also started to call it my accelerator program. So what I do is I take people through, I offer it as one-on-one -on -one coaching, and then every once in a while I open it up for group coaching where I process people through kind of all of the highest questions that they have, but also I take people, like I say, where I am this many steps ahead of you, I'm doing the work too, and here's the steps that I took. Here's here's what I did first, here's what I did second, here's what I did third, and then I've turned that into a way to turn around and show other people how not only the LinkedIn platform works, but how to get business out of it and how to do sales and the business mm -hmm. development side of LinkedIn where I don't know, I'm not just doing, that's why I call it LinkedIn like a fox because I'm like, I'm implementing my whole business coaching type of strategy approach. LinkedIn just happens to be the amazing tool that I love to do all that. So. Mm, that's awesome. 
All right, so back so now to we're on a cliffhanger. You're about to tell us. <laughs> yes, so keep going. What? I'll just let you talk. <laughs> uh, so basically that video that I was talking about, which was really born out of seeing something online and wanting to say something about it. So I saw that people are getting online. There was definitely an energy that, I think has actually gone down on the platform, like a good, in a good way. But some of the inappropriate comments were, I don't know if it was because video was still really new or people were still unsure, but if you say something in the comments, it does stay in your activity. And it's very different than other platforms where your comments are content. It's like you are providing content mm. to the platform and I can turn around and see your comments in your activity feed and I can easily look and see, okay, you're saying some really inappropriate things across the platform. And so I noticed that on another woman's post and I decided to make a video saying, you shouldn't say anything in the comments unless you're going to say it in person at a meeting in a corporate office in a boardroom that is the only type of comment you should be leaving anywhere on the platform. And so that really resonated with people because it was just such a simple tip, just like if you wouldn't say it in a boardroom, don't say it in the comments on LinkedIn. Done. Like, mm-hmm. <laughs> don't. <laughs> there's no other way to put it. There's no other conversation you should be having in the comments unless you really do want to potentially not get that job or not get that opportunity or maybe get blocked by lots of people or get marked as spam or be shut down by LinkedIn because some of the comments I was seeing were very inappropriate. Now, I haven't, I've been lucky. I haven't seen those comments in a long time. But early on, I feel like there was a little bit of boldness from some people thinking, oh, this is new. This is LinkedIn video. I can say whatever I want. And I'm like, no, you can't. <laughs> so that yeah. really resonated. And I think it went to like well over 150,000 people had viewed that one in a very short amount of time. Wow. So. Well, yeah. I yeah. And I think that, that people are, especially on other platforms, they're used to seeing, you know, these trolls or people making these comments. And so they think, oh, I can just randomly do that. But this is LinkedIn, folks. So this is your online reputation. But I think the flip side of that, too, is people were saying, well, this is LinkedIn. This doesn't belong here. People were were resistant to change because it has changed and grown and exploded a lot, and people weren't used to seeing more personal content. And so people were, were kind of telling people, hey, don't bring this here. We don't want to see this here. And and I think a lot of people have now seen, okay, maybe maybe this is belonging here. Maybe this is changing. They're getting a little more comfortable with that change. Yes, I totally agree. There's a post that went viral. It was not my post. It was somebody else's, but they said LinkedIn is not Facebook. And that really just brought up a lot of drama, I I would say, on the platform because people have (laughs) such strong opinions. But the main point is having an opinion is okay on that platform. And sharing it professionally is probably what will get you the views and what will get you the conversation because you're sharing who you truly are inside and how you truly think. And not everyone will agree, but if you share it in a way that is professional, you'll find your people, you'll find your, your tribe, your world. And it's not saying go out to the world and blast out all of your you know, there was nothing that edgy about what I said. It's just the fact that nobody else was really saying it. 
so succinctly, like, don't put inappropriate comments. <laughs> and I think there's right. many people who get on video who are sharing it in a way that they own their message. And I think that's the takeaway. If you're going to get on LinkedIn video mm. and you want to get a lot of reach, I'm not saying everything has to always go viral, but if you're going to get reach, it's owning that message and making it succinct and short and to the point. <laughs> yeah. Very, very good point. So we only have a few minutes left, and I know you have a whole course about everything to do, but if you could just give us a few nuggets of what are some great things that people could do initially to help with their LinkedIn profile and presence and what they're doing, what are what are some of your golden nuggets that you would share very briefly in the next couple of minutes that we have? Oh, I love the golden nuggets. So the top golden nugget a lot of people focus on optimizing their LinkedIn profile, and there's a lot of talk about that. My top tip is visually from the top down, and I call it the above the fold. So before you ever have to scroll, anyone ever has to scroll down your LinkedIn profile, just optimize that. Because it's very overwhelming to optimize the whole thing. Just try to get a cover image and your face and who you are and your title of what you do optimized as much as possible. And keep it simple. Keep it above the mm. fold. <laughs> and then the next thing I would say is go out and comment on the platform. Keep it professional, but keep it and that high value type of comments on the platform can actually grow your influence. And I know some people on the platform don't really make much content other than becoming these amazing commenters. And their individual comments mm. get a hundred, sometimes two hundred likes. I've seen comments on other people's content. So if you are wow. really, really focused on adding value to the community, you can grow that way too. So. And just cheering other people on and telling them things that you appreciate about them. And for some people, that's what they do anyway naturally. So that's just a great way to become a content creator if you don't feel like posting even your own content. That's such a great point. How about one last one? Exactly. Um, if you are nervous about creating content, you can always take a screenshot of a comment you make on somebody else's content and then upload that because you're already providing so much value around the platform. Okay. Well, we are closing out now. Thank you so very much, Judy. Loved having you on our show. I can't wait to see more of what you do. Next week, we're going to be talking with Steve Ross about Walk the Talk. And Thanks for listening to another episode of Bring Your Brilliance with Carla Taylor. For the latest updates and info on personal branding, please follow and interact with Carla Taylor on LinkedIn. And be sure to visit www.itstimetobringit.com. Join Carla Taylor every Friday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, 9 a.m. Central, 8 a.m. Mountain, and 7 a.m. Pacific on InspiredChoicesNetwork.com. Until then,